I'm Dr. Gene Hampson. For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, June 6, 2020. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed. ...in the dollar... It's It's a late rally on Wall Street. Too big to fail. Growing the economy. Growing the economy. Amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. This is Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on radio. I'm Troy Harmon here today with K.C. Smith. That's not K.C. Smith. That's K. It's, all, it's period often C. confused, but period. no, it's K. Period C. Period. There we go. Bominicious. Bom- <laughs> there we go. One of my favorite jokes ever. Bominicious. They call me Bominicious. There we go. Uh, and we also have none other than Michael Griffin. Both of these gentlemen are uh, CFP certificates. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that it? That's all? That would mean that's all. Have, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I, both of you have a designation apiece. Thanks, Troy. I mean, you know, that's what we have. But, hey, I mean, I didn't know I was coming in to do the radio show to get bashed, you know. Well, you know, I, I'm used to talking to so many people with, you know, alphabet soup behind their name. I also have a SEPA. Don't forget about oh, my SEPA. Oh, see there? That's why I was trying. It was no disrespect, <laughs> Michael. It was really just uh, trying to remember, and I forgot that you do hold the Certified Exit Planning Advisor designation, Casey. That's right. Um, and... By the way, I'm, I have the utmost respect for the certified financial planner designation. It's uh, there's a whole lot of those folks around uh, Insular Financial, and uh, it uh, it helps our clients in many many different ways. And I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about things that uh, you have learned along the way, either receiving that designation or just experience in general as we go along today. Um, so. Uh, if Michael will ever talk to me again, we're going to talk about uh, market returns. How about that? Market's up. That, this that sounds good, Troy. I'll yeah. talk to you. Of All course right, I will. Thanks. I appreciate it, Michael. I knew you wouldn't stay mad long. <laughs> You're my pal. Um, right. S&P 500 up two and a quarter percent this week, um, led by energy, which uh, is probably our biggest laggard over the last 12 months. I haven't even looked. But I was right, yeah, down by 30%. A lot. Yeah, by a landslide. Uh, but uh, we are seeing energy prices rebound. Uh, there was a little bit of a, a bump in the road this week with the energy story. I, you know, it, it's always it's uh, probably the best drama in finance uh, to watch what's going on with energy. Yeah. Um, Saudi Arabia runs the thing, and anytime they have any sort of a uh, problem with anybody, they try to either turn the spigot way on or turn it off totally. Yeah, that's uh, about the only lever they have to pull to, uh, you know, incite whatever agenda they want to push forward. Uh, that's true, and it all and it actually impacts consumers everywhere. It sure does. Um, so this week the problem was uh, they thought that they had caught some folks cheating on the agreement that they had made to uh, throttle supply just a little bit. Um, if you recall, beginning of this pandemic... Um, we had uh, 
Saudi Arabia came out and tried to make a deal with Russia to uh, slow down production so that the price wouldn't just crater. Uh, Russia looked at them and said, nah, we're good. We're not going to reduce production at all. Uh, Saudi Arabia said, okay, hold my beer. <laughs> uh, and began to produce like nobody's business, oversupplied the market, drove the price to, what, 13 bucks a barrel, I think, at one point. So what do we see? The futures went negative, right, at one point? They did, yeah. Well, and, and part of that was uh, was an issue with a, an exchange-traded fund, U.S. Oil, right. uh, ticker symbol USO, um, actually you know, deals on the short, uh, the, the, the near contract, the shortest contract you can buy on all futures. And uh, an exchange-traded fund like them cannot take, sub- cannot take delivery. delivery yep. So uh, they had to sell at whatever price and um, drove you the Ended price. up getting, getting into a negative situation. <laughs> that was had to pay somebody good. else to get rid of it. Right. That was uh, only for one it like was a, a very short period. Period of time in one particular day, correct? That is correct. Okay. Yeah, it was a very short period of time, but it, it's still, you know, historical. We've never seen this before. Um, so, uh, you know, like I say, it was really more the contract than the than the actual commodity itself uh, that went negative in price. Um, but, uh, you know, this week, I think... You know, we've seen we've seen prices stabilize since uh, the deal was made to reduce production after uh, Saudi Arabia decided um, they were about to harm themselves as well. Uh, so now we've got oil. I haven't even looked uh, in the last day or two, but I think we're in the mid 30s again. Um, but like I say, we'd been down to 13 bucks in the offing. We had uh, quite a few. Uh, oil companies go bankrupt, uh, oil and oil services companies, and, um, you know, here we sit. But like I say, um, energy the big leader this week, up 6.5% or 6.4%. Financials up 585 uh, Industrials up 5.25%. Materials about 45 Uh You can read down the list. The only thing negative this week is health care, which is down half a percent. It's kind of interesting. It looks like this week it's been sort of a return to uh, the, the companies and the stocks that have been the most beaten up um, in, during this pandemic or have done the best this week. I mean, That's it's right. a very short sample, but yeah. at least it uh, it does indicate maybe we're maybe we're starting to turn the corner. Obviously, the market is is actually up. What the last twelve months we're up uh, almost eleven percent, ten and a half percent, which is what historical average. Uh, yeah, right, right at ten, about ten and a half percent. So the long, long-term historical average see, on returns. COVID nineteen, no big deal. Yeah, NBD. COVID, yeah, right. Uh, no, no don't, big deal. Don't know if I'd go there yet. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we're um, still we're still looking at uh, unemployment at around what do we got? Great Depression levels. Yes, somewhere in there. Very bad. Maybe twenty percent. They're talking. Uh, have GDP is probably projected to be annualized negative, like 40 or 50 percent, something like that. Maybe in the second quarter. Uh, first quarter, which only was impacted a few weeks, was down 5 percent. I love how they reported as an annualized number, though, just to scare the heck out of you. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the old hist- historic way they've done things. Uh, and, yeah, 5 percent scary enough, right? 40 uh, percent. Who in the world could ever... It's terrifying. Ever believe that you're going to have that? But the um, market making uh, making up significant ground in the last. I guess I read somewhere the last 50 days is the best 50 day period ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no doubt. And uh, you know anybody that that saw this panic in the middle and decided they were going to sell could have lost as much as 30. 
3.92%. It was yep. uh, The market was down from May 19th of 2020 through uh, May, listen to me, March 19th. February 19th. How about that? February 19th to March 23rd. I was like, Uh, I think February 19th was the high of the market. (laughs) February 19th was absolutely the high of the market. Um, And uh, the bottom was March 23rd. So we we lost 33.92% during that period. Um, Where we are now, year to date, down 4%. Yeah. It's crazy. In such no a doubt. short time span. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are actually upset that we didn't, you know, it wasn't a more prolonged recovery, so to speak, just because you you didn't have time to react, <laughs> to take advantage of the lower prices, lower yeah. valuations before yeah. it shot back up. No doubt. Um, so it's it's just been a wild ride, and uh, it's crazy to think that we're already back to almost break even on the year and yeah. over the last 12 months up yeah. 10%, 10.5%, which is right at – Historical averages. Yeah, no doubt. Um, now, uh, if you look year-to-date, technology is up 7.3%. Consumer discretionary is up 39 And that's the only two positive sectors. Yeah. Everything else is negative. Uh, communication services are almost flat, just 12 basis points higher uh, than the year-end. Uh, at the very base, the bottom, 31.9% lower energy. Just as we've talked, you know, energy still not fully recovered. Uh, we've seen uh, quite a bit of pain in the uh, in the energy sector. We've seen companies cut dividends, um, some of whom believe that uh, we'll never never go back to normal as it was in February of 2020. And if you think about it, I mean, technology. We can't all work from home. Most of us, many of us, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if if that is our new normal, then how much energy do we need? We're well, and it's really fuel our car. It's going to show too. The, I mean, some of the explanation for why the market has run up the way that it has is the. If you look at the top five companies in the S and P, they make up over twenty percent of that index now, right? So, right. and they're yeah. all technology companies and companies that are have not really been impacted by the shutdown or any of That's that. If, if anything, they've probably made bigger revenues during during all this time, yeah, except for probably Apple. Um, yeah, I mean they're not selling devices, but uh, I mean, I would imagine everybody's playlist is getting a little bit of action and uh, yeah. probably buying new, and that's one of their big main, you know, um, mainstream revenue drivers. So uh, you know, it's not too bad. Um, we really don't have to get in, have time to get into much beyond uh, what we've talked about. We did have some information come out this week as far as. Um, uh, Economic news, but uh, really it's housing prices, which is a follow-on to last week, uh, which wasn't huge. Uh, mortgage applications, a weekly thing. We did see a decrease of 3.9%, and, and really, um, you know, new homes had been, or home buying had been driving that um, in previous weeks, but uh, nothing huge there to report. So uh, let's take a real quick break. When we come back, we'll have a dog of the week. And we'll also get to some interesting financial questions. Stick around. You're listening to Money Talks. And the bass keeps running, running, and 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 in this context, there's no disrespect. So when I bust my rhyme, we're good. You ain't. 
This is the dog. The dog of the week. This week we have a dog of the week. The dog of the week is where I often like to uh, share a news story that I've ran across uh, during the week. Sometimes it ties into finance, sometimes not so much. I always try to make it so. Uh, in this case, it's a you know a product that's being offered on the market that uh, seems absolutely you know brilliant. I don't know why people didn't think of this before. Uh, if you're worried about masks and i know earlier in the year a few months ago there was a shortage um but there is a cobbler in romania yes a cobbler michael what's a cobbler shoes okay good i was hoping you didn't say something to eat i was about to say sounds good with some ice cream on top <laughs> usually yeah. they do shoes you tried <laughs> to stump, you tried to stump me there troy yeah, well maybe you tried <laughs> I, I figured you were probably the youngest in the room am i right yeah yeah okay yeah Youngest in the room, I figured you would be the one least likely to know if anyone didn't, but Cobbler. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has created no a pair of size 75 shoes. They are two and a half feet long. He says that he did this as a response to people he witnessed not social distancing well enough. So mm. with a size 75 shoe on... If the person you're speaking to also has a size 75 shoe, you would be at least five feet away from the person you're speaking with. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I usually don't step on people's shoes <laughs> as I'm talking with them face-to-face. But Why don't you just wear a pair of skis around? Well, literally, <laughs> I saw a video of this guy, and that's what it looks like as he is walking around in his size 75 Cobbler, cobbler built shoes. They're they're actual genuine leather. He spent a lot of money on these things, uh, but they have a very long toe. That's uh that's weird. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, we and, and look, there's been pictures all over the internet of people, you know, social distancing and how they do it. And this is relevant to the dog of the week. But have you all seen the picture on the internet of the guy that's got a hat? It's he's wearing like a bandana on his head, and he's got noodles. Attached to the bandana so that so like that nobody can get, like pool noodles so nobody can get within six feet of them. Yeah, and he's like walking around the grocery store. <laughs> you know, I found if you don't shower for a couple of weeks, people tend to stay at least six feet away from you at all yeah, times. Yeah, you, at oh. least six feet. Away. Yeah. You still married? Everybody's got their own. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but she don't get within six feet of it, sure. <laughs> including family members. It works out for everyone involved. There you go. It's the armpit defense. <laughs> That's fantastic. Why not? But, uh, yeah, the, if you're wondering, you know, it is a little more expensive mm-hmm. to buy these shoes than to buy a mask. They're only $115 a pair. I mean, I think it'd I mean, be cheaper to buy the noodles reasonable. to put on your head. Oh, I mean, exactly. you know, that'd be cheaper. But, I mean, you got to But then the you wouldn't look as cool. So. You wouldn't be wearing two and a half foot long. Well, let's face it. You know it, what they say about a guy with big feet? I'm just saying. <laughs> He is a social distancer, no doubt. Um, So the other thing that you want when you're talking about safety is redundancy. So why not wear the big shoes and the noodle headband? That's a fair point. I mean, I think... Can't be too careful. That's right. I I believe we should probably make sure... And don't shower for a couple weeks. (laughs) Triple redundancy. Yeah. 
I'm and, loving it. And a mask and everything. I mean, you know, yeah. there's tons of things we can do here, guys. I've, well, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, 115 bucks for shoes. I, you want to make sure people know who you are. I don't know about the mask. You better draw your face on the mask just so they That's don't true. miss you. That's true. That's a yeah. fair point. Draw somebody else's face on the mask. <laughs> you could. <laughs> My name is Michael Griffin. <laughs> All right, uh, enough of that foolishness. Uh, we do have a situation we want to talk about this week. Uh, um, got a couple in their mid-60s, Natalie and Jeremy. Um, they're within a few years of retirement, but the recent downturn in the market from the coronavirus pandemic and their fear of uh, future downturn, downturns, easy for me to say, uh, has them wondering if they should wait to retire until the market recovers. So... Um, you know, over the past few years, they've they've been uh, moving their money into fixed investments. Um, most of their wealth is tied up in retirement accounts, 401ks and IRAs. Really, not uncommon. I, you know, that's a that's a probably the most common way that folks save their money. Um, they've moved the money uh, they'll need to begin withdrawing into bond funds. So it is still within those 401ks and IRAs. Uh, when the market was at uh, or near its lowest in March, whether I said that right or not in the first segment, um, it was March. <coughs> lowest was March, yes. Yeah. The highest was February. See, yes, you did say it right. You said it right in the first <laughs> well, segment. Well, not the first try. But no, or the second. I, but the third, the third time, you got it right. <laughs> I deserve that. Uh, <laughs> they sold most of the stocks in their bro- brokerage account for bonds. So they sold at the bottom. Mm. Uh, they estimate they've uh, they're about or they have about uh, three years of fixed income in their brokerage account. Uh, now that the market has rebounded some, they're wondering if they should have left some in growth investments. Hmm. Well, I, I mean, there's a lot to talk about here, right? Yeah, for it's sure. It's real easy to panic <clears throat> and do the wrong thing when uh, when times look the bleakest. Uh, it's it's not unusual. Um, our phone rings off the hook when you have significant downturns. I mean, people who were all in um, in equities in February and held them through mid-March uh, would have lost about one-third of their wealth. Yeah. And well, let's just think about this from you know the way that we look at managing money and in context of the 10-year rule, because I think that's the easiest place to start. Absolutely. Had they been following a 10-year rule, um, you know, then they would have probably already had enough money in fixed income. It says that they've been moving money to fixed over the past few years, which is great, because presumably if they need it, then that's what they should be doing. Um, but if they would have, you know, been following a 10 year rule, then you get within 10 years of needing that money, which is for most people retirement, you would have had 10 years worth of expected withdrawals out of the market. You would have, it would have all been in bonds or bond funds. Um, you know, we can debate whether bond funds are the way to go, but regardless, it wouldn't have been in the stock market and it wouldn't have taken as big of a hit as the, the S and P or whatever equity market you want to look at. Right. Um, and so they w- yes they would have ridden it down um to the bottom would have lost a third of their money probably or somewhere in that ballpark but they would have remained invested and that's the most important thing right because right. you wouldn't have had to sell and hopefully they wouldn't have panic sold because they would have known that they've got money set aside in fixed income so they don't they don't need to sell it's a loss but it's a loss on paper right so you're not selling locking in that loss you allow it to recover and now they would have been back to you know, where they were, almost to where they were before the whole 
panic started, um, at least close to where they were at the beginning of the year. Right. And that was after a 30% gain in 19. So uh, Exactly. And see, that's that's one of the big things that I think is, is missing here. We, we uh, talked at length all of last year about how we uh, saw so many gains in the market. I mean, Apple was up 80% in 2019. Right. Um, Based you know, on really zero earnings growth. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and the market overall had very limited uh, earnings growth. I think it was 0.6%. Yeah. And the market was up 32.5% yeah. uh, during 2019. When we saw that going, this is the beauty of working with an advisor, we started telling people, hey, the market looks a little expensive. If you don't have your next 10 years uh, spending covered, it's time to do that. Yeah. Well, a lot of people think when they hear ten-year rule, and let's say they're spending a hundred grand a year, and they're thinking, "Well, gosh, I got to have a million dollars in fixed income." That's not necessarily the case. You know, you you do a plan, you figure out how much do you actually need from your portfolio, right? And you you know, if you're in a taxable portfolio, it's going to generate dividends, and that's going to cover some of it. You're going right. to get Social Security, maybe a pension, some other income sources. Maybe you got rental properties. It's not all coming from the principle of your portfolio. Correct. So you have to do kind of some financial planning to figure out what is what are those liquidity needs that you're going to going to have over the next 10 years and that portion is what you put in fixed income. And and the the reason that you do that is just as you said, Casey, it it actually does act as a, a way that you can mentally work through when things do go wrong and let's face it, equity markets are volatile. Yep. You know, you're talking about bond funds and various other things. If you look at the bond market overall, the volatility in the in the bond market is somewhere on the level of two to three percent, and that's an annualized uh, fluctuation in price. Right. In the equity markets, somewhere between seventeen and eighteen percent. Right. Uh, a significant difference. Huge. And and I mean that's that's the whole premise behind the ten year rule. I mean it's really. It's more of a behavioral concept than anything. It's, it's to protect Absolutely. you from making those decisions like <laughs> Natalie and Jeremy made. From yeah. yourself, exactly. Yeah. And let's face it, we're all subjected to that. Yeah. Uh, if it were my money, there's no telling. I might would panic and do something that didn't make sense in the aftermath, too. Right. Uh, and It's really easy to do. I mean, it's when it's your money, it's easy to get emotional about it and uh, make decisions that are not in your best interest in the long run. And I mean, you know, we're all subject to it. It's kind of a herd mentality thing. And, you know, we're going to have to take a break here in a minute. But maybe when we come back, we can talk a little bit more about the behavioral decisions and why why do people act this way? Um, can't explain it, you know, and we're not psychologists, but <laughs> we'll do the best to kind of flesh out some of the reasons that we've seen why people make these decisions. No doubt. Well, let's take a real quick break. and We'll be right back with Money Talks. Social distancing, small groups, reacting to the unexpected, takes a lot of knowing, self-quarantine. This is Money Talks. We're back. I'm Troy Harmon here today with... Casey Smith and Michael Griffin and uh, guys, we've been having a pretty good conversation about uh, uh, what not to do, maybe what to do. How uh, you can look at it from either direction you want to. Uh, if you have questions, 
um, that you would like for us to answer on the air. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us through our question hotline. The number is 1-855-429-9166. Uh, the way it works, you uh, call in, you'll hear our recording, you leave your voicemail after the beep, and we'll answer your question on the next show. Uh, we'll play it back on the air and answer right behind it. Uh, if you would rather call and talk to a human being, you can do that as well. The number is 770-429-9166. You can call in, ask for the radio show or Kelly Lynn, and uh, somebody will patch you through to her. She'll take your question, get it to us, and we'll answer it on the air. Um, if you don't want to do either of those, you can always email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Um, or you can go to our website, hensler.com, spelled in the same manner, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, we have lots and lots of information that uh, we have Loaded up on the website, there's lots of information about COVID-19 and the government response, um, things that you might be thinking about. Uh, if you have uh, gotten a, a PPP um, loan, is it? Is that what we're calling them? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you've got... Forgivable you know, loan. There you go. Forgivable. And, and if it's not forgiven, it turns into a very low cost. Yeah, and they just expanded the uh, the terms on that. It hasn't been signed yet. It's Thursday. We're recording this, and the president hasn't signed it yet, but it's expected to be signed into law, an extension of that that uh, bill, the Paycheck Protection Program. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, like I say, you can find all manner of information on our website, Hensler.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to answer your Questions on the air, but uh, if you want to do your research yourself, there's plenty of uh, information on our website to help you out. So, uh, guys, when we uh, were talking in our last segment, we were talking about Natalie and Jeremy, who uh, didn't really knock the ball out of the park when uh, when it comes to uh, recent economic events and uh, their investments. Um they're looking to to retire soon, or or at least they were looking to retire soon. Yeah, it looks like they sold sold out of the market, uh, at least in large part, and right pretty much at the bottom and right. at the end of March. Um, and looking to kind of, I guess they're second guessing that decision right now, rightfully so, because yeah. the market has recovered Wouldn't you? quite a bit. Um, Absolutely. I mean, and this is what we are here for, you know. If they you know talk to us first, I mean. I had so many people call me in in March and in April and I mean should I sell? I was like, no, you're you have ten years of liquidity. We're, we're not going to do anything right now. Oh, okay, and that was it. That was the conversation. And you know, people just want to be reassured. And and obviously, Natalie and Jeremy didn't have anybody to call right? to reassure them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of this comes down to just kind of human behavior in general, and the way Without that we the way that we think about decisions. I mean, there's been a lot of studies done about loss aversion and what that looks like, sure. and the fact that you know most people, Michael, not to put you on the spot, but let me just I'll just ask you if you had a, an opportunity, you're gonna play a game, right? Okay. I'm gonna give you fifty dollars. Okay. Or I'm gonna flip a coin and give you a chance to win a hundred dollars if it's heads, and if it's tails, you get nothing. What do you do? Man, I'd probably take the 50-50 chance. The, the odds are better. Okay, well, you're not like most people, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're off the radio show. <laughs> Bye, Michael. 
No, I mean most people would would take the sure thing. They'd say, well, "All right, it's fifty yeah, bucks, yeah. and I'll get fifty bucks. Better than a fifty percent chance I get zero, which really the odds are pretty much exactly the same, right? The, yeah, the probability the of getting the fifty dollars is the it's a fifty percent chance of a hundred bucks or fifty percent chance of zero. The outcome is fifty bucks if you right. average that together. Um, on the flip side, no pun intended, if you were to offer you a sure $50 loss or flip a coin and you either um, you either get zero or you lose 100. Oh, you lose, lose 50. See, most people are more risk-seeking in that uh, instance. When you have something to lose, they're willing to, to bet uh, on the greater loss for the chance that maybe they lose nothing. Well, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I say I'd lose 50, but then, I mean, I don't know. That's a hard one. I mean, because you don't want to lose anything, but you don't want to lose double. Right. I don't know. That's difficult. Well, mo- most people in the studies that they've done have found that people are risk-seeking in that second scenario when there's something to be lost. Um, so can I sum this up? On this show, we have discovered that Michael is not normal. <laughs> the opposite. That's that's fair. That's fair, Troy. I mean, you know, everybody's a little different in their own special way. Okay? <laughs> you go. Sounds like you've been talking to your mom lately. <laughs> Uh, Michael, you know I love you. Uh, But either way, you are absolutely right. There's been lots and lots of studies that determine, you know, uh, human behavior. And you're right. When people have a loss, they're more likely to tell you, no, I want to wait until it comes back and then I'll sell it. Yeah, it's that gambler's mentality. And I'm just going to keep doubling down until I make my money back. And and then there's quite a few that when they have big gains, knowing that they might have to pay taxes if they sell it. Yeah. They'll just ride it out. So this is exactly the conversation that you have with clients is, you know, at the end of last year, it was almost impossible to get somebody to sell out of the market. It was difficult. You know, pay taxes possibly. Even if there were no taxes, it's like, well, you want to sell me out of the market, which is up 30% and put me in a bond that's yielding, what, one and a half, two percent maybe? Why would I do that? Well, now we've seen why. Um, exactly. And, when, and in this scenario with uh, Jeremy and Natalie, Selling out at the at the exact wrong time, um, you know, it's easy to do that because that's what you naturally want to do. But you have to kind of resist that temptation. And uh, if you do your planning right, then it becomes kind of a moot point. You don't have to worry about those decisions because you're, I mean, you may still worry about it, but it, it's a lot right. easier to justify staying in the market when the market's down 33% if you know you don't need that money in the next 10 years. Yeah, and there can be some significant damage. I mean, you know, the the market going down, obviously, if you go down 33.5% or, you know, almost 34%, uh, it takes more than a 34% gain right. to get you back to that zero. Yeah. Uh, you know, the the old adage is you lose 50%, you got to make 100% to get you back to zero. It's not too common that you see the market go up like that. Yeah, if you, you've got a dollar and you lose 50 cents, you make 50% back because that's what you lost. You now have 75 cents. Right. So uh, you're, you're not all the way back to where you started from, far from it. Exactly. We've seen that with energy. Energy has right. come back over 50%, which it was not down, or it was probably down about 50%. Yeah, it was down significantly. Um, but it's made significant strides back from where it was, but it's still not close to where, you know, the previous I was. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it's a, it's a mental game all of us play. It's the reason that me and Casey and Michael all have uh, somebody else help us uh, when it comes to our own money. 
um, and and it's um, you know it it kind of protects you from yourself, if you will, mm-hmm. to have somebody else that can just kind of speak. It, you know, it, it's unemotional for them. They're not losing anything except maybe uh, you know <laughs> your love. But uh, <laughs> the reality is, um, when you have somebody that's that's not emotional about it they can actually speak to you in in terms that uh that can maybe talk you back out of the emotions that we all as human beings have to deal with not easy to do for sure no doubt all right well we're gonna move on um if anybody has questions remember you can give us a call uh 770-429-9166 so what casey and michael do all day long as financial planners uh they uh they help people with uh issues just such as this and many, many more. Uh, we've got a question from Todd from Woodstock. Maybe we'll get through this. If we don't, we'll run over a little. But uh, it says, where do you stand on Walmart as an investment now? Consumers rely on them for staples, but I've also seen some bad press about how they've uh, treated their employees and how dependent are they on cheap goods from China. Um uh, yeah, I've seen some bad press too, and it seems like uh, I I don't think it was necessarily widespread or systemic within Walmart. Uh, I think there was a store in Massachusetts that had uh, more than 10% of their workforce wind up contracting COVID-19, and uh, the reason being, I believe, was probably poor management at that specific store. But uh, when you look at what the store, uh, what Walmart um management had said basically they they wanted everyone to be wearing masks they wanted them to uh disinfect the store periodically that was not being done at that one particular store in uh in massachusetts so uh i think it was a failure you know a local fair failure or a store based failure um and and uh you know one of the beautiful things about walmart was they were deemed essential. A uh, big portion of it is if if they had just been selling regular goods, which they could have sold online, they probably would have had to stop. Uh, you know, they would have had to shutter their stores. But uh, because of the fact that they sell more than 50%, their revenue is generated uh, by groceries, um, Walmart was deemed essential. So uh, you've got a business that um, is, is huge. It's a... Uh, Probably, well, without a doubt, the largest retailer on the face of the earth. And, um, you know, I think uh, even Amazon is, while they're giving them some competition, uh, Walmart, because of their store sizes, is, uh, is, uh, is still the king. But um, <clears throat> you, you uh, look at what they do. Walmart, um, I think 50, let me see. It's a whole lot of money uh, generated from uh, their market caps, $350 billion. Um, their earnings growth is not huge, uh, 0.82% over the last uh, five years. But when you look going forward, they're expected to grow by about 7% in earnings. Um, price to earnings growth, uh, the PEG ratio, 3.51. We usually like it to be around 1. I will say... Uh, because they had identifiable operations through uh, the pandemic, the stock has gotten pretty expensive. Yeah. Uh, we still recommend it to our clients. It does meet all of our, our um, criteria for investment based on financial strength and safety. Um, <clears throat> but part of, uh, of what we do 
is, uh, uh, you know, we, we look at these companies and um, uh, I, I think Walmart is like top of the list. Let me take a real quick break here. When I come back, I'll, I'll finish my thoughts a little on uh, Walmart, but um, we will take a real quick break. And when we get back, you'll hear more. And we'll probably also answer some more financial questions. You're listening to Money Talks. More than 3,000 airplanes have been put in storage. That's 50% of the United States active fleet. When business as normal is no longer normal, this is your economic emergency kit. Money Talks. We're back. Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Michael Griffin. Uh, we've, uh, we were going over some details about Walmart in our last segment. I'll get to those in just a second. If you have questions you'd like to get to us, we'd love to hear from you. Our question hotline is one 429 You uh, call, get our recording, uh, record your question uh, after the beep, and uh, we'll play it back on the air and answer right behind it. Or you can call us and uh, talk to a human being, 770 429 9166 is that number. Ask for Kelly Lynn or the radio show. She'll help you out. Um, or you can email us at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Or you can go to our website, hensler.com, spelled in the same manner, hensler, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R dot com. Um, so uh, about Walmart again, uh, the question was, where do you stand on Walmart as an investment? Consumers rely on them for staples, but uh, there's been some bad press as to how they treated their employees during COVID-19. Uh, and then how dependent are they on cheap goods made in China? Uh, I answered the first part of that uh, last segment, and um, basically I believe it wasn't systemic. I think it was a, a single uh, instance of poor management at a local level in Massachusetts where they did have some some uh, problems. Um, and then uh, their dependence on China, um, I, I'll just tell you, let me read through this real quick. Uh, the company top names uh, by cost of goods sold from Walmart. Procter & Gamble makes up 2.63% of Walmart's cost of goods sold. Uh, it also is 15% of the total revenue for Procter & Gamble. And that being the largest one, they all get smaller from here. Um, PepsiCo, 2.21%, and I'm sure that's Frito-Lay and the drinks, 2.21% um, of cost of goods sold. Um, that is made up from PepsiCo selling to Walmart. Mm -hmm. uh, also makes up 13% of Pepsi's total revenue. These are huge wow. numbers if you think about what yeah. Walmart does. Tyson Foods, another U.S. company. Kraft Heinz, a U.S. company. Uh, Tyson Foods, 16.9% of their revenue comes from Walmart. Cost of goods sold, 1.84%. Kraft Heinz, 21% of Kraft Heinz uh, revenue comes from Walmart, which only makes up 1.33% of the cost of goods sold of Walmart. Nestle, which is uh, not a U.S. company. Dover Corp., Unilever, not a U.S. company. Uh, Apple, 
It's less than 1% of cost of goods sold in Walmart. If you listen to what I'm saying, they're not heavily reliant on China directly. These are all U.S. companies. The list goes on and on. Even the ones you mentioned that are are not U.S. or not Chinese companies are European. So uh, right, I exactly. Mean, now they might they might have goods manufactured in China, but they're not making potato chips and Pepsi in in China. Uh, so and Procter and Gamble's got lots of plants in the U.S. You know, diapers mm-hmm. and. Uh, paper goods and things like that. I don't believe that you're going to see a major issue uh, with Chinese uh, trade negotiations, trade war, whatever you want to call it, uh, that are going to cause Walmart major issues. No, and if and if Todd just goes by the Walmart in Woodstock, uh, it's it's still been pretty busy. I, have, yeah. I drive by it when I leave my house if if I've left my house during this quarantine, but yeah. uh, it's it's still pretty busy. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't. I'm with you, Troy. I don't see a big, yeah, over underlying issue with it. Yeah, going I, forward, exactly. People and are still going to shop there. Yeah, the only thing I could say is, like so many other companies in the in the uh, market today, Walmart looks a bit expensive. I'm not going to take that from you. I mean, uh, you know, there there might be a better entry point, but uh, for a good operating cash cow type company. Uh, I don't know where you're going to find a better one than than Walmart. Got a great dividend, 1.8%. Another thing that's just absolutely baffling to me uh, is their uh, EVA spread. Um, This is basically the cost of capital at 4.2%. Company makes return on invested capital of almost 10%, so 5.79%. Uh, that EVA spread, something I look at a lot. It's a profitability measure. Um, this company's got debt out 30 years. Yeah. Their cost of debt after tax, 0.6%. Wow. 0.6%. Unbelievable. That's, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it comes from their, their high credit rating and, you know, various other things. Heck, their cost of equity is only 5%. Um, just dirt cheap. All right, we've got one more question we're going to try to cover here. Actually, it's two combined because they are somewhat similar. Peter from Kennesaw says, should I take my RMD this year? Um, I know I don't have to, but my wife thinks I should still take it. We generally take her RMD in January and mine in July. Uh, And then Joe from Ballground, should I convert to a Roth? Because there are some issues that we could talk about strategically, we wanted to cover these together. Should I convert to a Roth? Uh, I'll need to start taking money from my IRA next year as I'll be 72. I was wondering if there uh, was any good reason to convert some of it to a Roth today. My income should be lower this year as I was laid off uh, from my part-time job when we closed for the coronavirus. I haven't been working since. So, guys, let's hear some brilliance. Well, Joe from Ballground, you should have converted to Roth on March 23rd. That would have been the ideal time. So, yeah, uh, sorry you, you might have missed it. <laughs> not, not really. I mean, there's still some some opportunities there to to convert to Roth. Um, you know, uh, the, the uh, CARES Act that was passed um, as part of the coronavirus stimulus package uh, opened up some opportunities. And Peter from Kennesaw, you know, take, taking my RMD. That's where that question's coming from. I think the the RMD requirement was waived for 2020 because of the CARES Act. And so you don't have to take it. The question becomes, do you need the money? Um, you know, if you don't need the money, then I would say probably not take it. Um, you know, there might be some reasons to still take it. If you're giving it away to charity, for instance, maybe you still want to do that. You can still reduce the value of your IRA. Um, Wouldn't you still want to do that directly? 
Yeah. Yes, you would that, still do that directly to the charity. Yeah, so it um, never comes into your hands. You you. And it's never taxed to the person, and they're just reducing the amount of their holdings within their in their IRA. So IRA. then next year the holdings would be less. So in theory, depending on what the market does, their requirement of distribution would then be less. Yeah, because it's based on the end of year. Now, that's not going to change, right? So the end of this year will still be the basis of 2021's distribution, required distribution. Correct. I mean, this all comes down to taxes and kind of when when you think taxes are going to be lower. Do you think they're going to be lower now or do you think they're going to be lower later? With all the stimulus that's been passed, I'd be hard to imagine taxes going much lower from where they are now. So that kind of shortens your window there. Uh, on the other hand, it's nice to have some diversification. Good to have some, a little bit of money in a tax-deferred account like a regular IRA. Good to have a little bit of money in a tax-free account like a Roth. And, um, you know, that gives you just choices and options depending on what tax rates are in the future. So, yeah, the good thing absolutely. about the, the Roth is the fact that there is no required minimum distribution, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, that's about all the time we've got. You guys uh, want to tell me, is the market up or down next week? Uh, Troy, I hope it's up. It's going up. I'm broken record. Troy, I'm always up for me. Thanks for listening to Money Talks. We'll catch you next week. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.